Hello, everybody. It is August 8th, 2021. Already. It, already. It is the CC and JT Amateur Half Hour. What we try to do here is we talk about writing stuff and other stuff which may be of interest to, well, basically us, us you know. Um, and uh, so uh, we spend, we try to spend half an hour and give you some quality stuff. And if you, if you like it, then you can send us feedback on CarsonHume.com. And we do appreciate feedback. We always appreciate feedback. So because feedback makes us better. We hope. Well, we try to listen. Right now, what we're doing is we're sipping coffee, breathing smoke, and yeah. having a good time. A lot of smoke. But let's put it in perspective. We haven't lost our house. Our, no, no, no. Our lifestyles have not been in, in danger. We're not on the front line fighting the fires. All we have is smoke. That's true. So to anybody who is more affected by the, by the uh, fires throughout the West... And I guess the smoke is across the country now, but anyway, yes. so anybody who's directly affected by the fires, uh, we, we, we're we thinking of you. Yes, our hearts go out to you, and especially the people who are being affected by the Dixie Fire right now in yeah. Northern California. Yeah, those on the front line, you, you guys are doing amazing work, and uh, you, you don't get a credit enough credit for what you're doing. Uh, so let, let's talk about our works in progress, um, and how's your work in progress going? Not too bad, actually. I think this is probably about the fifth time I've rewritten it. We've said that. Yeah. Yes. And the it's coming back together better than before, I think. I've managed to muddle through some of the plot issues I was having in the back of my mind while I was taking an extended hiatus from writing. Extended unintentional hiatus from writing, but it happens. Major case of writer's block. The, um, I think the, the story ideas I started with now are really starting to gel together. So in the last 12 sessions, I think we've done 12 half hour sessions. Um, I did do two half hour sessions on one day. Yeah. I so, actually think we're up to day 15. Oh, really? Yeah. So we started it. Yeah, yeah. Today would be day 15. So oh, okay. So I am doing a approximately a thousand words a day i've got up to as of yesterday's session fourteen thousand something mm. words and they're not all great words but i'm keeping the mindset that this is a first draft whatever i do here can be polished repeatedly and i am determined not to delete this draft but to keep honing it until i get a, a marketable work i hope mm. or at least something that people might enjoy Something that you could put out there. Yes, yes. I think if I can get past whatever block I've been having and start things in motion again, then I can do it a lot more consistently. And how's yours going? Oh, it sucks. Uh-uh. Now, positive thoughts. Uh, I just don't know where I'm going with this thing. I like to have a semi-formed idea of where I'm going with the book when I started. I didn't do that. I just started typing... Uh, just, well, I know I just started typing and, uh, um, I have no idea where I'm going and it, I just think that it sucks. Uh, I, the thing is, is I read one of the uh, other books in the series so I could remind myself of the characters and everything. And, um, that other book is, and if I could say so myself is it, it, it came together rather well and it has some good passages in it. And I'm really surprised that it came from me. Um, 
but so you know you can do it i know i can do it but it's like it's, this is difficult and right now this is i'm struggling with it but yeah, you know, i'll just keep plugging along coincidentally what we've uh We've mapped out our, this is, uh, we should explain very quickly, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to do 30 minutes a day for 100 days. 30 minutes is doable. It's not too much out of our daily schedule. Yeah. Um, And we mapped it out in 100 days from when we began it to when we end it. The end date is November 1st. Which is the beginning of National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Rimo or Remo? I've always called it Remo, but most people call it Rimo because writing, National Novel Writing Month. So I just call it Remo because that's what I'm used to. Actually, I just call it Nano. Nano, yeah. <laughs> Nano is easier than anything, but National Novel Writing Month. So if we can get some decent habits built in those 100 days total, then maybe we can Move throw right something together it. for na- Nano. I didn't do NaNoWriMo last year. I'd, I'd done it consistently like eight or nine times. And some of those books have gotten published. Uh, but uh, last year, there was just too much too much going on. And it just I couldn't just get myself going. So that was part of the writer's block. Did you even try it last year? I didn't. The Like you said, there was too much going on. And I think the it intensified the writer's block I was having. So I didn't do the November version. I also haven't done Camp NaNoWriMo, which is in July. Or actually, there might be more than one. I feel like there's one in April and one in July. Mm. There's also in January, which I don't think either one of us has ever participated in, but it's NaNoEdmo, which is National Editing Month. Oh, which which would be a good thing to do in the future because a large difficult portion of the writing process is doing all the editing so we're going to go ahead and we're basically we're sending a plug out to nanoremo nanoremo uh go out to nanoremo.org for more information uh they do it's a good cause and let's expand just a little bit on nano because for folks who may be hearing about this for the first time the point of nano is basically is to get folks to sit down and write a fifty thousand word something Yes. It doesn't have to be awesome. It doesn't have to be great. Nope. But just say at the end, at the from November first, November thirtieth, you have to average about seventeen hundred words a day. It's it's a little under that. Somewhere around there. But, and you can you get a lot of support along the way. There are in person meetups. I'm pretty sure those have probably been on hold for a little while now. But you can do in person meetups with uh, people in your area that are also doing it. During the camp versions, you can set yourself up in what they call a cabin and you can work together online virtually with people. So there is a lot of support by doing it that way. And you know, during that month, there are multiple thousands of people doing the same thing you're doing. So when you start tearing out your hair, you're like, I'm not alone. And that's helpful. And it is helpful. Um, and certainly recommend it. And it certainly is no cost to you other than the t- your time, energy, and sanity, basically, because trying to you know keep that 50,000 word goal through November is, is a challenge. You, it, it, you pretty much have to sit down and force yourself to write and write and write and write. Um, and it's, it's November is a 30 day month. So you have 30 days to get 50,000 words. The camp versions, I believe you can actually 
adjust it to whatever you want your word count to be. And you can also either um, edit or proofread or whatever. They, You have a lot more flexibility during the camp months. But during the November version, it's 50,000 words in 30 days. And that's an Olympic struggle. But, it uh, is. But, uh, but if you have, as you said, a story where you know where you're going and it just starts coming out, you can get it done I feel like some people have gotten it done in like the first two weeks of month. Mm. And that's insanity, especially if you're doing other things like going to school or working or raising your family, having a life, having a life, because it it can eat up a lot of your day to try to get your word count if you're struggling. So uh, as we said, lots of resources at NanoRimo, NanoRimo NanoRimo.org. and I will put the link in the slug on the social media on the website, so you can go ahead and click directly. Uh, it's led to uh, many successful completions of projects for us, and uh, so we, we are happy to give a salute and give some time in our podcast to the NaNoWriMo folks. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much for being there and for inspiring thousands to uh, do their thing. And also, they do have some fun swag. So if you feel like supporting them, you can go to their shop and they have things like mugs and yeah. um, I have a few t-shirts. And yeah, you know, we have a few t-shirts about everything. We do. We are t-shirt hogs, but it's uh, you can actually support them financially too. They do have a young writers program where mm. I think you can make donations. So mm. you don't have to pay anything to sign up, but it is helpful if you have the extra cash around to help support them a little bit. I think they're a nonprofit. I'm pretty sure they are. Okay. Let's close this out and uh, let's go move on to our next subject. We did, we did the uh, writing part. So I'm just going to go extemporate. I'm just going to throw something out here just and ask, uh, ask Cece here. Uh, What's your favorite in-person concert you ever went to? Because you're wearing your Duran Duran t-shirt. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's a tough one. Well, Duran Duran was awesome. I will um, say, and you should say this isn't this wasn't during your your teenage years no, or anything like no. this. You were with you were with the kids, adult children, adult children. I was already a grandmother at that point, yeah. so so this uh, was yes, so. it was a very interesting concert. I was not excited about the idea of going in the first place because I know we have all aged, and you know I felt like oh, I don't know, is it going to be as exciting as they were in the 80s? But uh, they were an amazing concert. For one of the encores, they played one of my favorite songs, Save a Prayer, which Mm -hmm. I absolutely adored. And that was a great concert moment. But I've been to a lot of awesome concerts, too. Um, Again, with the kids, they... They you know, dragged you to San Francisco. We to went to Levi's Levi Stadium. Yeah, Santa Clara, yeah. actually, out south of San Francisco, to see One Direction. Mm-hmm. So this was post-Zane. So if anybody follows One Direction, they'll know what time period that was. And it I don't remember the name of the tour, but we were up at the very, very top of Levi Stadium. And if anyone is familiar with it, that's way up there. So, uh, but let's circle one... back. To, let's circle back. You got to pick. You have to pick one concert. Pick a favorite concert. I think. I think probably Duran Duran. And there was a time when I would have said my first concert, which was in 1977, and that was. Uh, it was a 16th birthday present. I convinced my parents to let me go to Berkeley 
It was at the Greek theater at UC Berkeley and it was Sean Cassidy. I was madly in love with Sean Cassidy at the time or what I thought was love, you know, mm, major yeah. teenage crush. Yes. And, um, it's the hair. The, he had great hair. The caveat was that my mother had to go with me. Mm. So that kind of was a buzz kill <laughs> for the 16 year old me. Obviously I have gone to a few concerts with my kids mm -hmm. and I tend to um, try to blend into the background, but my mom, so funny story. If anybody remembers the Hudson brothers, Oh my God. And the Hudson brothers were the opening act for Sean Cassidy. And they, as performers do, they will choose people in the audience to play off of. And we were, I feel like we were fairly close to the stage, not right there, but close enough. And it was an outdoor amphitheater. It was a beautiful night. And my mother was, she liked dancing and she liked music. So even though she wasn't a fan of Sean Cassidy, she, you know, she wasn't horribly upset about going, but the Hudson brothers were doing a bit. And I remember distinctly my mother taking this whole thing seriously mm. that one of the Hudson brothers, I don't remember which one actually was like flirting with her and said, Hey, lady in blue, I love you. Meet me in room, whatever after the concert. <laughs> oh my God. You're... <laughs> and my mother was like, Oh, <laughs> you know, your mother like, raised the strict Roman Catholic. And yes. All Irish that. Roman Catholic. Irish Roman Catholic. Long married at that point. And like... uh, she was like, she thought he was seriously flirting with her. So that's kind of a funny story that came out of that concert. And, but, uh, no, but it was sweet too. It was. Looking back on it, I'm a lot less humiliated than I was at the time. And <laughs> it was very uh, teen heartthrob concert because at that time, the satin clothing, like satin jackets mm -hmm. and satin pants were in. So like, you know, it was early disco era and stuff. And he would, <laughs> Sean Cassidy would wear multiple pairs of satin pants on top of each other. And when he split a pair, which inevitably he did while dancing, he would tear them off and throw them into the audience. So my mother tried to catch one. It landed in the row in front of us. So she asked the people in front of us if I could just have a piece of his pants. Yeah. <laughs> which they gave me. Then she told me to put it in my wallet and I promptly lost it. So yeah. it was like... <laughs> But that was quite the experience. We had to take a bus to Berkeley because we lived in the Valley. And uh, my dad picked us up after he got done with work. And he was apparently propositioned. Uh, he stopped to ask for directions and someone propositioned him. So it was it was an adventurous night for a lot of people. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like my first concert experience. And the reason they wanted me to go with my mom among others, because obviously I was 16 and sending me to Berkeley by myself was not a bright idea. But this had come, you know, being the mid 70s, it was after all the unrest. So mm -hmm. they were afraid that something was going to happen. And so there were a lot of factors. But it, you never, saw, very you never memorable. saw, yeah, you never saw any of that though, did you? No, no, it was very quiet, peaceful. It was all I remember, aside from the annoyance of my parents yeah. <laughs> being a 16 year old. Well, it was a good concert. Yeah. It was fun. And um, I think the Hudson Brothers did a comedy bit. And yeah, if you don't it. know who the Hudson Brothers are, look them up. You'll probably, <laughs> like Kate Hudson, obviously, is one of the daughters of one of the Hudson Brothers with Goldie Hawn, I believe. Something. So, um, yeah, interesting little trivia tidbit for you. Yeah, we are. We're talking about people that are way out of the current generation, even the generation before that. But. Well, these, are the, these are the people we grew up with. 
but he has gone on to he did act for a while he was on the hardy boys tv show yeah then he um he went into directing and producing and he's been doing a lot of that he's actually worked on some modern um things that people would probably recognize and i can't think of off the top of my head but you probably would recognize the name if you watch credits what about you have you ever been to like a concert concert i'm not a concert person per se i just um uh you know there's of course i'm surprised you didn't mention the concert that we went to we've done it a couple times we've done beatlemania twice true but that was our first serious date was beatlemania back in the old gym at uh the university of nevada go pack go pack <laughs> go pack uh but uh but uh, i saw but i'm not really a, a concert kind of person it just it doesn't really appeal to me but i will talk so the most memorable one that i went to that and we're talking decades ago so it was the jacksons uh at the time my stepfather richard hi richard hope you're well uh wherever you are uh was uh in the uh, pit orchestra so we were able to get into the jacksons uh, at right after jermaine left so for folks that may remember this type part of pop history uh, pop rock history it was the jackson five uh, Jermaine was either supposed to be the lead or could turn into the lead. It didn't happen. So he left and signed with another label. The rest of the Jackson family came into it, Randy and, uh, the other sisters. And so it became the Jackson act. Right. And, uh, so when I saw them, it was not long after that because Michael, I still think was pretty young. I'm sure he was a young teenager at the time. And, uh, but he was doing, he did a bit with a very young Janet Jackson, she who was, was so cute. who was you know a half literally a half pint yes. wearing this adult clothes the silvery dress with a feather bow and she was doing the boom bada boom bada boom thing around the you stage probably, with Michael of course yeah. who was the most visible and most well known person of the Jacksons. You can probably find clips of something like that oh, from yeah. the old variety shows on YouTube. Oh, is oh absolutely and of course they were doing you know the Donnie and the Marie thing playing off each other and but um. But also oh, talented. The entire family is just talented, though. Uh, sad to say, almost none of them can dance. Oh my God! <laughs> Which is kind of funny if you think about it. Because they you built... would think musicians yeah. have no timing and yeah, they. they but it's uh, what dancing that was happening was obviously the result of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice and choreography. Um, and as we all know, Michael made it all seem so effortlessly, which we know that if a, if a professional makes something look easy, then it's hard. And so we, we assume that, you know, if Michael can dance, we all can dance. But it, it was kind of bittersweet, because, especially because knowing what was going on with the family at the time and then what happened to the family in time and how Michael was taken from us from a drug overdose. At a young age. At a relatively young age and all the controversy in his life. And, you know, that's, you know, that kind of leads up to the issue of, you know, artists and the heavy baggage they bring with them because not, you know, we admire artists for their artwork. And, it, yes. and when I, and I'm going to cast the wide bubble on that one. When I say artwork, it can be uh, musicians, as we're talking about, it can be writers, uh, we could, it could photographers, be photographers, painters, you know, the, the, the entire range, for example, there's a couple of writers whose writing is just fantastic. I'm just, just, just amazing writers, but honestly, in real life, they're assholes. And it, it's, it's difficult to separate that. 
Uh, I'm looking at you, Orson Scott, uh, Orson Scott Card, and Ellen Ellen Dean Moore. Uh, you know, just you know, you guys do amazing work, but you let your personal agendas, uh, you know, sort of jump in the way there. So, well, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we get balance that? You know, folks, for example, in this day and age, um, who are on the right, the right wing edge of politics, who are obviously talented. Uh, but for those of us, Cece and I, who are on the left side, the left wing edge, you know, how do we reconciliate well, that? I don't know that we're on the left edge. I think we're closer to middle um, of the road. Well, I think they've, that the, the right, there's such a significant amount of right wing folks that they've pushed us to the left. Okay, I will give you that. I'm just thinking that we tend to be more middle of the road and try to see both sides if we don't agree with them. Yeah. And that's but, probably going to be a future podcast is how we deal with the political side, the, the personal agendas of... of writers and so on and so forth. I don't want to take this deep dive now because that, that could be a, actually a whole series. That could be a series. But uh, so, but how do we, recon, you know, reconcile that, you know, their, their personal and their political agendas with the, with the artwork that we so deeply enjoy. Um, and, and just another quick example, just a very quick example is, as you heard last year, uh, Cece and I are suffering Cubs fans who are owned by the Ricketts family. Who yes. are way over on the right side of things. So how do we balance that? And it's very difficult because now we have what everyone is calling cancel culture. Mm. And there are people that we have been supporting for a long time without realizing their politics because we were purely into things for the entertainment value. And when you find out exactly what's going on with them, how do you reconcile the fact that you've been supporting them monetarily and you yeah. know, you've been talking about Disney, them and helping, oh. of Disney and their policies, their COVID policies. And Disney is an interesting example of that because I don't know if Walt Disney, mm-hmm. who founded the company, would have been on board. I don't know because, yeah. you know, he's been gone for quite a while now. And um, so maybe... I'm looking at the Disney corporation through the lens of the childhood Disney that I remember watching Disney on TV before he passed away. So, you know, how do you reconcile having supported that kind of thing when you find out and you can look at this from both sides, you can look at it from the people who are producing the art and how much of your personal beliefs should you be putting into your art? And then as a, a connoisseur of art maybe and uh should you be supporting artists like this if they are problematic people yeah, and I, so that's going to be a huge discussion at yeah some let's point. yeah let's 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 shut that's this. just kind of framing yeah it. this is we're just sort of framing a future podcast probably our next one since we've led into it like this we probably might as should, well might as well because i know some things about disney that i need to verify online before i talk about it Mr. Disney, I should say, Walt Disney, before I ever talk about online. And there were some things that uh, he believed that I do not believe in. But yet, if you go through our house, thousands of dollars of Disney stuff. Oh, probably more. <laughs> like multiple thousands of dollars. Multiple thousands. So. But then you think about people, you know, with... Um, mm-hmm. Little kids. Uh, little kids. So Dr. Seuss, Theodore Seuss Geisel. Yeah. And... Um, you know, you have to kind of do a deep dive into their history and verify, as you said, some of the things, because some of it is rumor. Yep. Some of it is, um, you know, maybe over time they did change their viewpoint and they weren't the person that they were initially. 
you don't. Yeah, I mean, let, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and end this here with that with the you know, saying that we're going to go ahead. We're going to dive into. Um, you know, we've been avoiding it, but I think we've, we've got to get that politics and writing. What what um, how writers should talk about politics and social media, how pol- writers should. Uh, how should I say, represent their own political beliefs in their writing. I think uh, I think we've come to that point where we need to spend a week thinking about that and going from there. Definitely. But you did write a book that was about a politician. That was my first book, yes. And um, I think you handled it pretty well. But then things have changed since then. And we've had some different administrations since then. Yeah. And the... I don't know about you, but in my case, the things that I believed about politics in the past... Um, have definitely shifted. Yeah, I think we think matured might be the word. Uh, so let's, yeah, let's let's go ahead and turn that off. Let's let's end on a on, on a high note. Uh, you know, school is starting on Monday for a lot of folks. Is that a high note though? That's a little troublesome. It is for right the parent. Now. Well, the parent gets the kids out of the house. It does, but yeah, again, politics. So probably yeah, okay. shouldn't go too far into that. All right, it's then. Normally, then, a joyous time of year yeah. for some people. Yeah, for parents. So what, what's a positive way to end, end, end those notes? Um, well, we are into August. Um, the year has been going fairly well with, yeah. you know, pandemic aside. Things have calmed down a bit in certain yeah. places. There are still a lot of issues going on. But I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel a little more positive this year than I did last year. Yeah, it's kind of nice not waking up every morning to social media and seeing somebody out there try, trying to destroy the world. Yes. Um, I will say, uh, I will say that I do believe there are forces out there that are focused on separating us, focused on making us fight with each other because it's either uh, good news or it fits their political agenda. So what I would ask is that you take a step outside of this debate of them versus us, which is continuous every single day, and look at it with a with a third eye, so to speak, or from a distance and see what is being accomplished here by setting each of us against each other. Stop it. Stop the hate. Stop the fight. Find ways to work together because it, they're, 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 they're working to make us hate each other for their own means and it's working. We need to stop it, and we need to, to to we need to be better people about it. Stop the hate. And I think probably ending this on a positive note is that there are good people out there on both sides. Probably. Uh, I uh, I didn't. I qualified it. I'm uh, not saying positively. I'm saying probably, possibly. But there are good people. There are a lot of good people in the world, and I think that's probably a positive note. Is that people are looking out for each other in some ways. And maybe in some ways we've started learning more about each other because yeah. of what's been happening recently. You know, let's let's stop doing the them versus us thing. Let's yes. stop doing. Let's stop the hate. Let's just you know let's 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 be a better family. America was built on the idea of being a better family. Let's work. Let's do that. Okay, we're done lecturing. We're gonna go ahead. And, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and wind this up. Um, so as always. You can find our books, you can find our blog, you can find everything out at CarsonHume.com. We ask that you go out there and wander around, spend some time, get to know us a little bit better. Uh, Anything else you could think of? We're going to continue with our, it's 6.30 somewhere 
project minute writing sessions and we'll keep you updated on how that's going yeah. our challenges as we're struggling to find our writing feet uh, again yeah we're trying to get our feet back under our sea legs back under us but until we meet again across from the table is cc and across from me is jt and uh, we hope that we this finds you well and uh, take care of yourselves and love you lots have Stay a great week you too bye